Amen, amen. Let's give it up for our worship this morning. Man, that was awesome. What, what, a, cool, what a cool thought to know that one day we're going to be standing before Christ. Obviously perfect, righteous, and holy, amen? But we're going to have no language that separates us. There's going to be no sea that separates us. It's going to be a great day, and I'm excited for that. I know some of you are ready now, amen? I mean, you know, it's kind of like if he comes now, let's praise the Lord. You know, but there are things that need to be done. There are people that need to hear the truth. And what I wanted to share with you today is a simple message. It's very, very simple, but uh, it's very, very important. And I do have a question. You know, questions are very important for Pastor Frank. Almost daily, he asks me multiple questions. And I, I just love questions. Not. Um, but in any case, I, I have one for us today is what is freedom? Freedom, what is it? As a, for a Christian, for a Christian, what is freedom? We see in the book of Galatians, uh, Paul writes, uh, I didn't put any of this on the screen. Underneath your chair, if you didn't bring your Bible with you, underneath your chair, there's Bibles, the NIV, they're blue, hardback. And it, as I said in the first service, if you do not have a Bible, you just take that one. It's our gift to you. And if you don't like the translation, Pastor Frank will get you the, a different translation. Um, if you're using your phones, the app, you know, on your phone, I know, Mr. Burns, you, you don't understand that. I get it. But some of the younger people do. It's on the same page, Galatians, same page as in your Bible. Um, chapter 5, verse 1 says this, that believers are free in Christ. We've been singing about freedom in Christ, and we are free. But it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Galatians 5, chapter 1. You know, Jesus died on the cross, and God's people lived at this time. God, before Jesus died on the cross, let me say that, before Jesus died on this cross that we know about, God's people, the, the Jewish people that knew about God, they, they lived under a detailed system a detailed system of laws that served as a moral compass to guide their lives. And, you know, laws kind of like this, like uh, laws like hand washing and eating certain kinds of meat and, and circumcision, what we're talking about today. And if any of you have any questions about circumcision, Pastor Frank is your man. He can help you with this. He has all the answers. It's not a problem for him. He's been to seminary, and he gets it. You're welcome, Pastor Frank. Uh, so, a uh, couple of chapters earlier in chapter 3 of the book of Galatians, we find where uh, Paul tells us again, Paul is telling us that the law, while powerless to grant salvation or produce freedom, it pointed the way to Christ. So if we look at the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament points to Christ. It points to his Savior. And, and we see that, and Paul's telling them that in uh, chapter 3. But through his death, through Christ's death, he fulfilled the law. That's what we understand, right? Setting believers free from sin and death. And when I think of death, I'm thinking about being separated from God. Because we all know that we die here. This body will die. That's a no-brainer, okay? But death is something different when you're not with God, and, and, and that's a different story. But in any case, the wages of sin is death, 
Right, so that's why we all die. So people understood that to be saved, one must believe that Christ was born, that, that Christ was crucified, that Christ was buried, and praise God that he was resurrected on that third day. Amen. That's what we call the gospel. That's the good news. That's the freedom. But, but they felt that there needed to be something else. They felt that there needed to be laws. These people did. They felt that there needed to be something that defined what a good Christian was. And so I'm asking today, what's a good Christian look like? Got a couple of points, but today um, an important aspect for Christian freedom is our responsibility not to return to living under the law. So um, are, are we still talking about the same law that Paul was talking about here? No, not of course not, you know. Um, but churches, here's the thing. We are the church, you and I, not this building. Of course, this is a church building. But you and I is where Christ dwells, okay? And so, unfortunately, we see churches sometimes bring in certain rules into f- defining what a good Christian is, what a good Christian looks like. Does a... Good Christian have tattoos? Amen. What about smoked cigarettes? Does a good Christian smoke cigarettes? Um, or how about this? How a good Christian attend church every time the doors are open? Amen, right, right. Amen. The Apostle Paul compared living under the law or rules to slavery. If we look at the second part of this verse we're looking in, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Here's the second part. The first part says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. The second part says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, continuing to live under the law after salvation is merely a legalistic form of religion. And, And we cannot earn righteousness through the law. Right? Okay, so Christian freedom involves living not under the burden or obligation of the law, but under God's grace. Amen? And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, and if we continue to look in, in chapter 5, verses 2 through 6, we see where, where some Pharisees, some of these religious leaders, some of these people that really knew God's word, these were the Pharisees, they were a, a religious group, and, and they trusted Christ but they also retained their excitement for the Mosaic law, for some of these rituals that needed to be done. So what they did, they traveled to some churches that Paul had already started, that Paul had already founded, and they, were, uh, they, were, uh, they, they taught the law of circumcision. And so what they were doing, the, the, the born again, the believers that were Jewish, these Pharisees taught Gentile Christians that they must be circumcised to follow the law of Moses for salvation. For salvation. So again, we find Paul writes again in Colossians. Um, we learn about the Gentiles who, who were Christian followers, but they were incorporating some, some Jewish legalism into their belief system. And in chapter 2 of the book of Colossians, if you want to write this down and look at it later, just follow along now. Therefore, it says in verses 16 and 17, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. 
things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So those, they, these people, anyone who uh, judges a believer because that believer is not living under Jewish laws is really judging Christ. That's what they were doing. They were judging Christ. And they were saying that Christ did not finish the work on the cross. They were saying that, that more needed to be added. Something else needed to be there. This is what they were saying when we look at it correctly. So the false teachers in this church in, in Colossae were claiming a, this is what they were doing. When they practiced this law plus believe in, in Jesus, they were saying they were more spiritual. Better Christian. You know? They were saying they were a deeper, they, had a, they were claiming they had a deeper spiritual life who would practice the law. So outwardly, their practice seemed to be spiritual. You know, we can look at the outside and see many things, right? But inwardly, in their hearts, in, in their lives, there was nothing spiritual at all. You know, they, these, these practices accomplished nothing. Second thing, in Christ we are free. We've saying about this, and it is true. We are free from the law's oppression, and we are free from the penalty of sin, and we are free from the power of sin. But Christian freedom is not a license to sin. You know, we all know that. We are, we are free in Christ, but we are not free to live however we want, which be, you know, that would be easier, wouldn't it? Absolutely, because, you know, it says in Colossians, if we look down a little further in verse 13, same chapter, Galatians, I'm sorry, not Colossians, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Serve one another in love? I understand this, and I've said it to you before, but some of you, and myself, are not easy to love. And it makes it hard sometimes when, when they're just acting like a knucklehead, right? It makes sometimes it makes it hard to, to, to love. So believers aren't free to sin, but here's what we are free to do. We are free to live a holy life for Christ. We are free to live a holy lives for Christ. In Romans 6, Paul explains that when a believer accepts Christ, he or she is baptized by the Spirit, by the Spirit of God into Christ's death and his burial, but also, praise God, his resurrection. We will rise again one day. We will stand with him. So at that moment, the believer ceases to be a slave to sin. And here's what I like. Becomes a slave of righteousness. Think about that. Not a slave to sin, but a, I mean, who wants to be a slave to doing righteous? Well, Romans 6 tells us, but thanks be to God. There's Paul again. That guy wrote a lot of the New Testament. But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, and have become slaves of righteousness. So, do you remember the, the, the weight that was lifted off your shoulders when you decided to truly follow Christ? I mean, it felt good, didn't it? 
Didn't you feel free? I can remember like it was yesterday when I had that moment. And it was only 12 years ago, I stood in, uh, in, in, in the presence of young people, and I said, Lord, I'm going to go to LaBelle. I'm going to live a life for you. See, I had to allow him to, to take over my life. He just didn't say, oh, okay, we're going to do it, and here's your puppet, and you just bring me around like that. A slave to righteousness. I can't get over how great it felt to know that I don't have to worry about the knuckleheaded things I'm going to continue to do the rest of my life. Amen? I didn't hear an amen. Okay, good. So what does Christian freedom look like in a practical sense? What are we free to do and not do? What, are, what, what, what can we watch on TV? What are we able to eat or drink? What do we wear to the beach? What about what do we wear to church? This is why I have this on, by the way. So, it feels good, you know, not to have a tie on. But actually, this is a shiny person shirt because see right there it says cooperative program. That's part of the Southern Baptist Convention, so I am sporting uh, Christian attire. <laughs> but uh, uh, like I said, what are we supposed to wear to church? What about smoking and drinking? What about are, 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 are these limits to Christian freedom? Are there limits to this? First, this is, I, I really love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The Apostle Paul, he gives us a, a practical illustration of Christian freedom. And here's what he says. Chapter 10, 1 Corinthians 23 and 24 says this. You should write this down and look at it later. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. Everything is permissible. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. So, in, in writing to this church in Corinth, Paul, he speaks about members who were attending meals in pagan temples. So they were still having this struggle, uh, just as they had done before receiving Christ. Before they received Christ, they felt that it was okay to continue participating because they, they, they thought these gatherings were a normal part of their social culture. And so they, they didn't see their actions as pagan worship. Interesting enough, um, Paul laid out several warnings. And if we looked, and it reminding them of Israel in the Old Testament, their dangerous flirtation with idolatry. And we can see where that happened quite a bit in the Old Testament, where they were flirting with that all the time. And, and, and then, then he handled the, the practical concern of eating meats that had been sacrificed to idols. See, everything is permissible is what the church in Corinth was thinking. And Paul said, yes, true, but Christians have a great deal of freedom in Christ. Amen, right? But however, everything is beneficial. Not everything is beneficial or constructive. So our freedom in Christ must be balanced by what? A desire to build up and benefit others. It should be um, when, when deciding how to exercise our Christian freedom, we ought to seek the good of others before our own good. And this is what's hard for us sometimes. Think about it. Love, 
is what guides and limits Christian freedom. Love is what guides and limits Christian freedom. Romans 14, 1 through 13, Paul again, he helps us understand the limits of Christian freedom. In this passage, Paul uh, again brings up the issue of eating meat sacrificed to idols. Obviously, this was a big problem of this idol worship in the Old Testament for these new believers. They were, he was speaking to them about observing certain holy days. You know, some of the believers felt that uh, freedom in Christ in these areas while others did not. And uh, you know, their differing perspective was causing disunity and quarrels and fights among them. And Paul emphasized that unity and love in the body of Christ is way more important Okay, who's missing? I'm sorry? It's not the president, good. We'd have to stop if it was. You know, some, some of the believers felt freedom in Christ in this area while others did not. So their differing perspectives were causing, like I said, this quarrel. And disunity. And you know, Paul wanted them to realize that it's more important to have unity and, 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 and relationship and love for the body of Christ than one's own personal convictions or even your Christian liberty. You know, a lot of times we feel like if, you know, I'm, the, I'm living the right way. Listen what he says in, in Romans 14. It says, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Romans 14, 13, you may want to write that one down again too because it says, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. So, if this attire that I'm wearing causes my brother or sister to stumble, I should go back to wearing the tie, the the only pair of black dress shoes that I have. Amen? I mean, that's what it's saying here. If I'm causing you to stumble, then I should change. I should not do it out of love for your sake. Well, if I'm causing you to stumble right now, I'll wear it next week, I promise. So here's what essentially Paul's message to the New Testament believers, and I believe to us today too as well. Even if we believe we are right, and we have Christian freedom in an area... If our actions will cause another brother or sister to stumble in his or her faith, we should refrain from doing it out of love. So there there are we, we can rely on two principles here to guide us on our Christian freedom, as our in our Christian freedom. It's real simple. Let love for others compel us not to cause anyone to stumble. And let our desire to glorify God be our motive. This is what we should be living like. And so, in summary, only Christians know true freedom. Amen? Only Christians know true freedom. Amen? The book of John, chapter 8, verses 36, tells us this. 
if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Now we can all remember that one. John chapter 8, verses 36. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Christians also know that the freedom we have in Christ is not what the world defines as freedom. The worldview of freedom is totally different. Um, has a, it, it does not mean that we, freedom does not mean that we can do whatever we want, say whatever comes to our mind. You know, I have that problem. There's no filter sometimes, and, and I'm not permitted to do that. I'm not permitted, we are not permitted to treating people without regard to their feelings. Freedom in Christ is, is way different. So, one, we always have a guiding light that, that dwells in us. Amen? There's a, there's a light to give us knowledge when we need to make hard decisions, um, to give us courage when we need to be brave and to always find the truth. What do I tell the children each Sunday morning? I'll say, what is this? They say, it's the Bible. And I'll say, what's in the Bible? They say, God's Word, right? And then I say, what does God's Word tell us? And they say, everything we need to know. And then I'll say, are there any mistakes in the Bible? And they say, no. It tells us everything we need to know. But here's the problem. Unless we're reading it, and impl- I mean, we can read it all we want. But unless you apply it to your life, it's just another book. Application is where it's at. Application is where it's at. So um, it gives us courage to help us want to, want to be brave. And, and here's the, always find the truth. We can always find it here. The truth is here. We have power to love like Christ loves. We may not have the desire, but we have the power. Because some of you, as I said, and myself, I know, it's hard to love sometimes. We have the freedom. Here's what, here's what I really like. We have freedom in our mistakes. <laughs> Not only does Christ forgive us every time we mess up, he gave us the ability to reconcile to others. You have the ability to make it right, to reconcile with others. We have no worry about who wins in the end. I mean... That's a no-brainer, right? God wins in the end. That's true freedom, isn't it? That's what freedom is. That's true freedom. So here's the thing. Salvation is simple. We make it hard. We add things to make it hard. It's simple. Believe that Jesus was born from the virgin birth. Believe that he was placed on a criminal's cross and crucified like thousands of other people that they crucified daily in the Roman Empire. Believe that he was placed in a tomb and believe that he rose from the dead. Nothing else. We don't need to add anything else to this. It's just that. That's all it is. And we must understand that so that God can use us. So that this challenge that I have before you today can be effective. And the challenge is this. Be guided by how Christ expects you to love and serve others. Be guided by how Christ expects you to love and serve others. The second thing is to glorify him 
and all you say and do. And all you say and do. I struggle with that because it, sometimes it just, you know, I had 35 years of terrible language and smart aleck remarks. But now I've had 12 years of trying to live a life for Christ. And that 35 years still comes into play sometimes. But I pray that God uses everything that I say and that I do to glorify him. Because he's worthy of our glory. He's worthy to be worshipped. Amen? So I want to leave you with this quote. It's by Charles Kingsley. I don't know if you've ever heard him, but it's a really good quote. It says, there are two freedoms. The false, where a man is free to do what he likes, and the true, where he is free to do what he ought. (laughs) Two kinds of freedom. The false, where a man is free to do what he likes, the true, where he is free to do what he ought. And so here's the, here's the question. Don't worry about Millie. She can cry the whole time, Casey. It doesn't matter. Because we love children, don't we, church? Amen, amen. This is what I ask. If, if, you've, never, if you've never realized that you are in need of a Savior from your slavery to sin, If that's you, I pray that you say, Lord, help me be free today. Help me no longer be a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. That I want to live for righteousness. If that's you, pray that today. And look, salvation is yours. We'll teach you how to live a life for Christ. That's mine and Pastor Frank and Tara and all the leaders of this church's job. We're to disciple you, to help you learn God's word and how to live it out in our communities. If that's you, I pray that you pray it today. Maybe, maybe you've already asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, but you're just struggling with something. Maybe it's to forgive yourself. I know many of us have that problem where, you know, Preston, you just don't know what I've done. Listen. I may not know what you've done, but I know what I've done. And that shame is gone. It no longer exists in Preston's life. Why? The empty tomb, baby. You know, that's why. So if you, if you need to come up here and pray and ask Lord, the Lord to help you deal with this struggle that you're dealing with, just come. If you want to join our church, as Pastor Frank says, each and every Sunday, the doors of our church are open, and Roy's just standing back there, and the doors are not open. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, he's opening the door. But I just invite you to come and just, just give your life to Christ in whatever way you need to give him. As Tara comes and as uh, she leads us in this worship, please just stand with me. And um, 